Welcome back, everybody, to another exciting show, the About That Water Podcast, episode 40. Before I jump into the show and everything like that, I want to give everyone an understanding that this show is about cash flow mindset. So I will do my best and try to make sure I get the right people to come on the show and explain all the cool things that they're doing to kind of help their cash flow um, either in or actually out because a lot of people enjoy being a regular employee. Some people enjoy having their own business, but doing so, you actually have to understand that money coming in doesn't always have to equal out equal the same way of money going out. And there are strategies to go both ways. Now, the way how a lot of people get caught up is, well, how do I do my taxes and all the fun stuff? But we're not going to talk about taxes today. We're talking about Baltimore real estate investing. Because when it comes to real estate, everybody needs a place to live, right? The city got places that they want to get rid of off their books. So it leaves it wide open. So do not have the scarcity mindset, have the abundance mindset. Everybody needs a place to live. A lot of people don't like to buy homes. They'd rather rent instead. So with Travis and Heather, I've known them for so long, but I had this awesome opportunity to actually interview them for the show to kind of explain a little bit more about what they do uh, together as a couple. And I think this is something that I haven't come across yet. And this is the first couple that I've interviewed um, that is actually doing local real estate. When I did a prior episode with another couple, they were doing long distance real estate in Louisiana if I'm not mistaken. I have to go back and double check that. But anyway, I do want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for all of you who have been listening and sharing the show. Because of your support and help, I am actually now streaming on Audible and also Pandora. I've been working with Pandora for about at least, I'll say maybe four to six months, and they finally let me on, which is amazing. So I want to thank you all again. Uh, If you're actually listening to the show on Pandora, please subscribe and continue on and liking the show from that point, because I mean, I really want to grow in that space along with if you're actually listening to this on Apple, please scroll all the way down to the bottom and select five stars. And I'd love to hear what you actually love about this show. So without further ado, Let's go on and jump into the show because Heather and Travis had dropped a lot of information about building the relationships and also the hurdles that they have with investing in Baltimore. So if you're curious about how that happens and what's the process and going in that, then this is the episode for you. So let's get into it right now. Welcome, everybody, back to another exciting show of the About That Water podcast. I have my wonderful friends that I've worked with years and years ago, Um, but I've actually recently came across them in their real estate venture, and they have done so much for the community inside and outside, and I have to actually bring them back on because they're actually doing a lot of stuff in Baltimore and with real estate popping right now, a lot of people talking about it, a lot of people want to get into it. 
uh, because of the pandemic, they see in that a lot of the, uh, the market isn't stable, but most people are looking for something that's tangible. So I really hope that this show uh, really brings or adds something to your life today. So let's go on and get into it. So today I do have Vance Investments comprised of Heather and Travis. How y'all doing today? Doing well. Great, how are you? Doing awesome. Could be a little warmer today, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty icy out there. Yeah. Yeah. So um, can you just tell the audience a little bit about yourselves? Um, what got y'all started in the real estate business? Um, so we're both from Baltimore, you know, born and raised in Baltimore. Um, went to Baltimore's uh, city public schools. Um, and we both met at Morgan State University, um, the best university ever. Oh, in yeah. Time. Um, that's how I like to refer to it. Um, and so we, you know, we, we graduated, we started working in our prospective fields. And um, for me personally, um, I was looking for another avenue to generate some income and to just they build something outside of my job. Um, and, and for me, uh, real estate came to mind because of the field I was in. I was a civil, I'm a civil engineering. And so, you know, I, I dealt with construction on the commercial side, roadway and stuff. And I've always um, did construction with my father and grandfather. So I, it kind of fit up my alley. Um, and then I was looking for something a little tangible. And I kind of understood it the best out of all of the avenues where, um, when I was searching for for another vehicle of income or just investing. For myself, I would say there are a few things. Um, I want to be able to take control of my time. I feel as state. I feel as as if investing in real estate will allow me to do such. Um, I've never wanted to actually work for anyone. I've always wanted to work for myself. Um, and I love my community. I found that there are a lot of renters here in Baltimore City and there's not too many owners. So we're trying our best to create an avenue for people to um, either work with us, through us, or purchase homes from us at an affordable price. Um, we do have a few individuals we're working with now to help get their credit and things of that nature together so that they can eventually purchase the property that we have already renovated from us so they can have something of their own to own. Um, those two are the main things for um, why I have such a huge interest in real estate and real estate investing. Um, and also wealth. Wealth is a part of it as well. Well, of course, we all do this for the money, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To some degree. Yeah. yeah, to some degree. Yeah. Because we hear actually, I mean, you guys are providing the service uh, for a lot of people, especially for the renters. Um, speaking of the demographics in Baltimore. So, what is it um, that you guys are doing now, far as like what products or services that you guys are providing right now? So, as of right now, we haven't released too many products and or services as outside of um, renting. We have had one or two people interested in rent to own. 
Um, but they have to work on their credit scores first in order to get financing. So um, as of right now, there are, there, are, there are two things that we're trying to work with them on. Um, Travis? Um, so aside from provide, providing affordable, good quality affordable housing for uh, our Baltimore community, um, we have worked with an investor um, and we're partnering on, on a deal. Um, and the partnering is always um, dependent on the person, whether it's 50-50, 60-40, whatever. We negotiate or what works best for us and the investor. So we work with an investor. Um, we have developed a, a coaching uh, program. Uh, we haven't pushed it out, but we've been talking to a few people interested in it. And um, we would like to, when we buy our next property, uh, walk our coaching clients through the whole process from how we purchased it, why we purchased it, what our game plan is, how we are financing the property, um, those things. So we're a team, we wanna tee that up for um, the middle of the year. Um, and, and and also we, we, we do just generally just help uh, when, when other investors call or, or when people that we've talked to in the past call with an issue, we, we've always been open to helping them. All right, so I wanna um, dive in a little bit into that, but as far as you guys seeing eye to eye, you know, having a husband and wife and being in the business together, do you, how do y'all even split that up? So you pretty much wanna define your roles in the business. Um, and early on, you know, in any business, you don't know what exactly everything encompasses. So um, once we started to learn, okay, this is our niche. Our niche is buying um, properties that are in distress. And so they need quite an amount of work. And then there's a, we, we general, we GC our own projects. So pretty much I'm handling subcontractors Heather's handling the planning and the um, the detail of you know the final outcome, okay. And then she's also handling coordination between uh, the city and and sometimes the lender. And there's a lot of coordination. I'm pretty much boots on the ground. She does help, so we do help in each other's uh, respective arenas. But we kind of have defined roles. Of my job is to make sure the construction gets done. Heather's job is to make sure that the um, design is correct, the layout is correct, and the um, all of the processes with the city and all the paperwork is correct. Um, and we then we just, you know, because we are married, we do ask, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about this? Or, you know, I might say, hey, this contract is falling behind. Um, this is what I think we should do. And then we talk about what the solution is, or the city might throw a monkey wrench in our plan and then we discuss on how to work around that. Um, so case in point on site, um, I might, we might get hit with a, a fine. A we got hit with a trash fine one time and it wasn't our property actually. It was a property next door, an adjoining property next door. And I'm like, yo, and she's like, all right, well, I got to notice I'll follow up with the person. I'll meet and they'll show she's following up with the person in the office they send an inspector out. I'm 
going to meet them at the property to walk them through, hey, this is these, these are our limits and this is our property boundary and this trash over here is for this person. So with that, um, it's kind of a partnership on on what we do and we kind of kind of make sure each person's plate is balanced. And that's awesome that you guys had that communication so early on because you hear like a lot of people don't do business with their spouses. Um, but yet you hear you like, you know, you got the Chrysler company and yet they're a family company. You have a Walmart family company. You have all these other companies that's family. And it's really good to see um, a husband and wife actually do this for the community. So when you, so let's take somebody through that's interested in this coaching. I know you guys are building it out, but what, um, what is the process that you'll take somebody through? So when you say, all right, we're going to look for this property, how do you, what tools are you guys using or um, ways? I know there's so many different funnels that you can get to try to find these properties, but just for somebody that's listening to trying to say, you know what, this is a lot. I want to come through you guys to start this process. What would be their first step? Like, can you just give us like a high level overview? So um, at a high level, um, sometimes we are approached by different people and they're like, hey, I'm willing to sell my property. Um, some people um, come through us from word of mouth. Um, some, pe some properties come to us via the city. We may go to an auction. We may just see a listing. That work is what we will take care of. So if you are gonna do our coaching, the one-on-one -on -one coaching, right? And you're like, hey, I would rather purchase a property and go through you guys to get it demoed, go through the whole process of the rehab and hopefully get someone in there and do a sell it. It's a choice. Like, do you wanna find a property or do you want us to find a property? If we find the property, we're gonna use one of our avenues to search and find the best property that we think is going to work. Once we get the property, then we're going to talk you through and or work with you and walk you through all of the different details that come into play. Demolition, you also have to coordinate with the city for demolition. You have to coordinate for the city to put doors on. You have to coordinate with the city for every single little tedious thing that goes down with each and every property that you purchase, rehab, and try to have someone either purchase or live in. So we will go step by step in a one-on-one -on -one training. It's best to do it, uh, I guess you can say one-on-one -on -one and to walk you through it in like on-site training. Um, even though it's COVID, we do the six feet and we schedule everything out so that you can be there and be in the mess. But a lot of the things is also some of the things that I take care of. You got to arrange things with the city and follow through. So we are help walk you through that and um, push you through the process. And, most, and, to, and also to your question, um, prior to COVID, we were going to some of the like the local meetups and um, um, Baltimore. And there was a, there were a lot um, just through like the meetup group uh, platform. And so during that process, we um, built contacts with a lot of local wholesalers. Um, we work with a couple of real estate agents. So, you know, these wholesalers uh, email you properties every day. Um, and then 
we will usually assess if we believe it's a good deal and uh, you know jump on it. But for for coaching someone, um, it, it's two, it's kind of like two tracks: is solid investor coaching someone through like their own deal, and then also someone just sitting on the sideline watching our progress. So you know you're just you're not taking any risks because you're you would be watching us go through a whole process. And, um, and we just pretty much have a conversation with that person going into it, like what works best for them? Because in this business, you gotta kind of line your personal life up to be able to be an investor. Do you have, my, what I see most of the time is people um, don't have the time to invest. And it's not that they don't have time, they're not, they're not willing to make time. Um, you know, something always come up, well, I gotta go here, I gotta do this, I gotta do that. It's like, well, this is going to take some time and some sacrifice. Um, and then is the, is your, how's your credit? How's your money? You know, where can you get your source of income to purchase a property? So, and then it's the educational aspect of it. Um, even though we're coaching you, you still have to do the, the framework. So before we started, we were reading books. We were talking to anybody who was into it. We had a couple family members who were actively invested. So we were, Pretty much calling them, hey, what do you think about this, or what do you think about that? But it wasn't we were calling them to say, give us the game. We were calling them with detailed questions because we were doing research, um, and that's that's what I think we have a conversation with that individual to see which works best for them. Sitting on the sideline, being a solid investor, or us coaching them through their own process. Yeah, I have so many questions in it <laughs> because you have. So many three different avenues, even though I hold up the number four, but three different avenues. <laughs> <laughs> and so is there a different price point for each uh investor? Say if you know, I just want to be a solid investor, only got like a thousand dollars on the side here. And I was like, you guys can have it, and I'm just be happy to see how that works. Um but is the price point different? So if somebody that's more hands-on, they pay a little more versus a solid investor or how does that structure work out? Or like the entry point, shall I say? So as of right now, I think we, we have only taken on solid investors. Okay. So it also depends on the percentages. So everybody is different. Um, say by an example, if we're gonna purchase a pro property and the property is a hundred grand, right? Um, as a silent investor, you give up what maybe fifty or sixty grand towards purchasing the property. Now that's only towards purchase. Now we have to purchase the property and also rehab the property. So who's gonna take on the the, the part and or the risk of the rehabilitation loan and or fronting that money? That's what we do. So the balance is more so on our end. Even though we may only put up 40,000 to purchase the property, um, we put up more of a risk for getting it done and the money used to get it done. And then it's even more of a risk because that day that it's done and it's ready to go, you have to see whether you're gonna sell it and or rent it out. So all of that comes into play and then each investor gets a different percentage based off of what's going on. So it's kind of hard just to say offhand exactly 
you know, is going to be 50 or 40 or 35 percent offhand. That makes and, sense. And in your thousand uh, dollar scenario, um, that, that's where the education on real estate comes in. So a thousand dollar solid investor would have maybe like a one or two percent take of anything, right? So it, at some point, it, it's, it's not cost beneficial to be a solid investor, meaning if say the the whole deal is a hundred thousand in Heather's um, scenario, and that's that's all that's all in that's everything. The purchase price could be say thirty thousand, and then the rental is seventy thousand, or the purchase price could be fifty thousand, and the rental is fifty. So the rule of thumb is whenever you are purchasing a property, you have to put twenty percent down, right? And then being that the property is in a distressed state, we're not going to a, a, a traditional bank like you can't just go to Bank of America. Or boarded up house, they're going to say, "Hey, we don't finance those," and or and or when we first started, um, they have a, the bigger banks have a certain level of financing that they won't go below, so they don't, might not even finance a house of a hundred thousand or less. So now we are going with a maybe a, a private lender, hard money lender, a local bank. So we're we're looking at those avenues and during our career, we, you know, kind of carved out a niche of people who will finance certain deals and certain hard money lenders will not finance a deal in this area. Um, so if the purchase price say is 20,000 and then we want to borrow 80,000, there's usually points and percentages. Um, and so we'll, we'll talk about that, but at the end of the day, the thousand dollars would not go far in that because 20% down of $20,000 is not, not that much. So in um, other words, I should keep my money in my pocket and save a little and, more. And, <laughs> and or, not to discourage you, but and or you might say, hey, I know you actively buy five properties a year or four, you know, four to five properties a year. Can I sit on the sideline and learn the process for a fee? Yeah. And we're trying to assess that price point, you know, at this time, at this moment. You know, so say we say the price point is $1,200 to sit on the side and every time we're doing something, you'll get a call, you'll get a text, you'll, you know, whatever communication. Um, when we're going to Home Depot to pick out sheetrock, um, you'll be surprised people might not know how to, uh, the, how to estimate the, the sheetrock uh, price for a certain house or how many boards you need or how to get the boards to the house or, you know, Something is, is uh, like ins we brought insulation the other day. Um, there's certain R values that go in the walls and the ceilings and those type of things. So if you are estimating a, a rehab cost and say the roof is gone, you know, how do you how much is that? You know, and what insulation do you have to put back in the roof when it's down? So those type of things you would learn by just sitting on the sideline and saying, oh, they did this, they did that, they did this. The inspector came in and said it was okay. So those type of things, and that thousand might go better towards that. So the next time when you, you know, get a larger chunk, you might say, hey, I, I think I'm confident enough to do it on my own, or I want to be a solid investor, or I want to actively invest. Sounds like a plan. And I don't have that kind of capital right now. So I'll wait until the class comes out. The thing is, we can't, we, we have been, all right, so 
when you you hear on the radio, um, such and such, so it's usually like a national brand person. They're on radio in your town for one weekend only, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to get you to the free seminar. They're going to make you feel good. And then they're going to say, hey, to come to this other seminar, it's it might be five hundred dollars. So you're like, okay, I, I, you got a thousand. I could I could pay five hundred for this seminar, right? Right. And then you go for the weekend seminar. You paid your five hundred. Then they're gonna give you a little bit more information. Then they're gonna say, hey, to really take this your investor journey to the next level, it's gonna be thirty thousand dollars. And so we've been in the we've been in the room because we paid for the seminar. And what we paid for that uh, second weekend, it was kind of worth it. You know, it was. We felt that I think it was. 1100 we felt we we were we were okay with the 1100 and we got some decent information but that 30,000 or the 40,000 we were like look if we got $40,000 in Baltimore we can go <laughs> buy a house and figure it out yeah definitely so we we're trying to to make it same as oh we're trying to make it so that you know we're not trying to hit you over the head with no $40,000 but if you have something you should be able to at least come and, and work with us to a point where you can catch on um, and just see what we do. At least time, 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 time is invaluable. Um, lessons are invaluable. So if you can come and, and you're, you want to follow us or what is it called? Shadow us. That's what we'll try to make happen. Man. All right. Cause I was, I've been following you guys uh, for a while now on Instagram, and I saw that you guys had one of this the tree house, I guess y'all called it, where the tree like fell through, and it pretty much was just the frame, so much so that the back was out. <laughs> uh, how was that? How was that purchase process? Can y'all just walk through like a full deep dive into it? Like you purchase it, you read, like fix it up, put the concrete down, all the fun stuff. Can you just dive into that with the numbers and everything? So the tree house, that was maybe, that is maybe my favorite house. Um, we purchased that property from the city, right? Uh, uh, a Okay, so Baltimore, the vacant house, so the problem is the vacant house, it, it, it's, so we're going to give you an overview because we, we will break out more detail, but the problem in Baltimore is that you have a lot of vacant houses and they don't, they have owners, the owners could have passed, or they passed through the family, they moved on. And so it's in no man's land. So what the city does is tack on fees, fines and all that, boom, boom, for maybe 10 years, right? And then they partner with a receivership to come in and um, get the house and put it on auction for a buyer. And so this house went through that process and we were able to purchase it through a receivership, which is like a I'm, it's not the city, but it's a it's like a subsidiary company. Yeah. Um, so we purchased it from them for a thousand dollars. You're listening to the About That Wallet podcast. We'll be right back after these messages. If you are enjoying this episode or finding anything useful, please consider leaving a review on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere on the internet. It is one of the best ways you can help new listeners find me, such as yourself. You can always support this podcast by going to patreon.com forward slash about that wallet or anchor.fm forward slash about that wallet. 
hey, I got a thousand. We purchased it from them for $1,000. I think the closing costs and fees came up to like- 3200 3200 So it was like a $5,000 uh, purchase. Um, once we got it, um, it was actually way more stuff in there than what you seen. Okay. Um, the picture that I had or that I posted on Instagram was a little bit more cleaner. We had about two or three dumpsters mm -hmm. worth of debris to clean out of just the structure. The roof fell down, all levels fell down, um, all beams, boards, everything you could think of, even the walls, the, sh the concrete and stuff on the walls fell down. So when you seen the tree, that was the last thing to go. Um, we had a great demo crew. They came in, they got all that stuff out. Um, they even got the tree out and we were able to have them. You could also see how they put down a new cement basement floor. Um, so it was, it was a process, but that's one of my favorite properties. We did the uh, basement floor and then we had an architect we work with an architect because we also had to do each level. Um, we came in, he drew up some plans. We worked together with him to draw up some plans. Once how, we much was plan, a, how much was the architect, if you don't mind? The architect was around 15, 15. to $3,000. Yeah, so we, so we were able to get him in for around 2000 Yeah. But that's the range for that type. Yeah. Okay. Sorry to keep going. I'm just trying to add it up, like the total cost so all the way through. Oh, no problem. So to, to save you all that, just think a hundred grand. So a house in that condition, a hundred grand. And that's a, that's a, okay. A hundred grand with mistakes. And if, if you were to walk off the street and had know nothing to do about it, it would cost you probably 125 to 130. But if you are in the game, a hundred, if you had your own crew and you know you were able to negotiate labor costs, maybe 80,000, 85,000. Yeah. So there's like some different price points. Being, being that we don't do all the work ourselves because we still work and it's just not time, it's just not, you know, we can't do all the work ourselves. Um, you're in that, we're in that, you're going to be in that 100 grand range. So the 100 grand will basically co cover demo, um, the repavement of the basement, the architect the new structure, that's lumber, everything we need to build the levels and the rooms within the house, plumbing, electricity, new roof, HVAC, and then carpentry. Mm -hmm. And then all materials for that. That's what the hundred grand will basically encompass. Including wow. permits and all types of other yeah, stuff. Permits, you gotta inspections deal with. and everything. Yeah, we got you gotta pay for every single thing. Nails, glue, you gotta pay for every single thing. She said the nails too. Wow. Yes, nails, okay. everything. So, so 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 a box, not a box, it's a bucket of sheetrock screws, right? Mm -hmm. The thing that bucket is about forty-five dollars, right? You might need three of those buckets to do a whole house for like in that condition. Yep, three or four. Um, so it, it, it start the material cost is usually going to be material cost in COVID went up drastically a two by four. We were, so we, we looked at our price, our spreadsheet from a year ago when we did a house, um, and, and case point, we, that tree house was built, was built off of us doing a house that was in bad shape, but not that bad shape. So it was like, 
a cliff where it, it went down, like we were going down in, in, in the level of how bad the houses were and the treehouse probably is the bottom. And then we're looking <laughs> to come up. <laughs> but so we did a house that was bad, had, you know, you walk in the house and you have uh, shaky floors, the roof was bad, but it's, it didn't have a tree in it and every, the levels were similar. You could walk on them, but you might fall through, right? So we did a house like that before the tree house. So that got us prepped for the tree house. Um, so every so case for all material, we looked at the two by four on that job and it was 272. Now we did our framing before COVID, but we, we had to buy some additional things because we had to take care of some, move some things around. And so we went from 272 for two by two by four by eight to about seven dollars for two by four by eight. So the price point of materials, wood, everything just skyrocketed, maybe tripled. And so now, if you're looking at going into that project, you kind of want to, you know, um, have a good hold on your material costs. And how you how you would estimate it is is, I we will say you have a, you know, most people have a job they're proficient at their job, right? Or whatever your skill set is. If you know how to do an Excel spreadsheet, then you just go on square footages of the house and you know you work with someone a little experienced and, it, and you can say okay for a house that's most of these houses have a, a general footprint it's 42 feet long by 13 feet wide or you have a 16 foot one that's by 30 feet so you just look at the square footage and then you can price your materials so going into a project price your materials on an excel spreadsheet and that kind of takes away the shock value of the material cost um, and then you get um, commercial accounts in some of these stores and you, you might be able to save a little bit, but at the end of the day, um, yeah, the, the, the hundred grand is, is a reasonable estimate and it's kind of in the middle. Wow. So um, did you guys actually sell it or what do you do with this property? So our business model is the buy and hold. Um, so we're holding it and um, and so we we're gonna keep it for a while. We we kind of never really looked at selling properties um, because we want to keep home stable for the community. And if the tenant wants to buy it, then we'll negotiate. You know, we'll negotiate with the tenant and make sure they're able to to purchase it. And we know what the value is going in because once you finish this house, you have to go back to the bank, to a bank, and get stable financing. It's the Burr method, which everyone talks about. So. After the project, you'll refinance it with a uh, local lender, get your 30 or 15 year mortgage standard interest rate. And so they'll do an appraisal and say, hey, that you spent a hundred thousand and we believe that house is worth 150 or whatever the case. So if the tenant wants to buy it, we know we're around 150 um, and we negotiate with closing costs that will help them. So most of, some of our tenants say about 40% have asked and we always tell them, yes, it's available. Um, we don't need to do a, um, what is it, the uh, uh, buy the rent contract with you because we're already in a rental con agreement contract. And the buy, buy and rent to, own. rent to own contract, yes, we don't do it, that's why, I, you know. But the rent to own contract is kind of owner shaded because they charge you a higher rent and they charge you a, you gotta pay the down payment for the purchase going into the property. And then after two years or whatever that time frame you agree to, that's um, 
that's what you negotiate on. So it's it's better, it's more beneficial for us, but not beneficial for the tenant. So that's why we don't do it. But we do tell our tenants, hey, if you want to buy it, it's available, and we could just negotiate from there. And um, it will be reasonable. We could pay closing costs, those type of things. We don't want to break you, um, but we want to be fair. Yeah, that's why we try to work with them and make sure that they have um, their financing and things of that nature that they need in order so that when they go to the table, they can, you know, have it financed through whatever company they want to do it um, and they can still afford it. <laughs> that's the whole point. We don't want to keep selling properties to people who are not even going to live in the city or not from the city and they can't really afford or they can't really afford it. We're trying to stop that. We want to get people in properties and they can stay in properties and afford their properties and they can enjoy it as well. So if somebody looking to rent from you all, where do they go? They can go to the Instagram. They can, a lot of people have hit me up on Facebook. Um, some people have hit me up in the DMs on Instagram or hit us up in the DMs on Instagram. Um, our contact information is there for anyone who is interested. And the website will be up soon. So yes, yeah, they can always just contact us. And we're uh we're very um how can you say it? We respond very quickly to the different messages. Yeah, so I'll make sure I'll put all the um the contact information in the show notes so um everybody can actually just catch up with you all. So is there anything that's like been the most challenging? throughout this whole process? Um, so for me, every every part of it is a challenge. That's what I like about it. Um, I would say the inspections, the city inspections have been challenging. And sometimes it's like the city wants the properties to be rehabbed, but every agency in the city is not on board. So a trash fine, like we learned a trash fine, say they hit you with the trash fine that was next door. They'll put a lien on your house and they can try to stop the construction and you have to go and explain, hey, this is actually next door. And then once you get to talking to them, you know, you can rectify that information, that, um, that situation, but sometimes it's hard to get to the correct person. And with COVID, it's double, it's, 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 it's triple is difficult because the office like isn't open. So when COVID was in, you know going on, I could go walk to the office. My main thing is pull up on people. You know, I'm gonna pull up on you and then we're gonna have to make a decision on what's going on. Now you could tell me no, but in every no, there's some information that's given up. Most people don't tell you, no, get out of here. They say, no, because, and then, okay, now I know next time how to do, you know, what to do and, and how to uh, write this ship. So for me, that's the most challenging is it seems like working with the city on certain things um, and the contractor. <laughs> if you walk off the street green, you will get smoked by a contractor, you know, and we've never got taken you know, too bad, but at the end of the day is some things we didn't know cost us. And it wasn't, I think it was half our fault, half the contractor fault. And you got to own up to your mistakes in, as an investor and it's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you time, money or energy. 
um, and you got to, and to write that ship, you got to be willing to give up one of those three. Um, and so for the new people, so for people getting into it, don't think your contractor is going to solve all your problems or you're going to say, hey, here's my, here's my budget and just run with it and you walk away and, you know, sleep with your feet up. That is not going to happen. It's probably not going to happen. Maybe there's a super excellent contractor out there that will solve all your problems and we're looking for them, but we haven't found that yet. All right. So it seems like um, if anybody that's listening that is a contractor, that's actually good at actually keeping that word, you know, reach out to the Vance Investment, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, right. reach out. <laughs> and, and, and on time, if you tell me you're gonna finish in three months, I'm, I'm looking at three months. <laughs> we need on time, on time contracts. Yes. And, and, working, and working with like people that are ahead of you in the game, um, they deal with the same things that newbies deal with. So don't think that what you're going through, they haven't gone through. And even on some of your larger projects, you know, Johns Hopkins could be building a building and they deal with contract issues at, at a million dollar level. So don't think it's a you thing. So I want my husband to explain, what do you mean by when someone is walking in and they're green? Walking in green to, to, to us means you don't know much about what you're getting into and you have not done proper research. And so we've seen people who started with us or started, well, we, well, we thought about this idea. We wanted to tell it everybody, but we had some friends and some family who was like, yeah, we're gonna to start too. And they got stuck in analysis paralysis mode where, and I almost got stuck in here in that, and, and my wife helped me out uh, where she's like, just buy the house. If we lose the money, we lose the money, you know? So. You, at that moment, you're like, all right, as a, as a guy, as a man, I don't want to put my family in a position where we're, we're, we're losing money. But at the end of the day, if you don't take that risk, risk, you won't ever get that reward. So it's that mindset that changes in any investment avenue, like stocks. I'm not a big stock person, but I invest in them. You know, if you tell me Tesla's about to go through the roof, I might buy a few and see how it works. Well, yeah. check out my Thursday episodes and you'll see some. Um, but, uh, I mean, I just want to move on to the next segment, just kind of the third segment, which is talking about the future. So where do you guys see yourself in the next five years as a business and as your, as your marriage grows from there? Well, as far as marriage, um, I don't know. I, I kind of love this guy. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> staying married is great. Um, of course, have a family, being able to be free with our time and enjoy that time with our family. Um, as far as business, I don't know, me and my husband, we see things on different levels, but um, where we are today, I want to um, multiply that times 10. Um, some people may think, oh my God, you guys have so much now. Why do you need so much more or why or how can you do it? I think it's possible. All things are possible. Um, like my husband said, you know, at one point he was green on a house, green, and I had to tell him, just do it. He, we were green. <laughs> <laughs> we were green, but you know, my husband is the leader of this house and I believe in him. And at the same time, I walk beside him and he believes me, believes in me. So like he said, when I said, just do it, 
it's only money we can recuperate. That's what we got to do. So um, in the next five years, I see our business like uh, maximizing to the 10th power. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as, uh, you know, our merge, I see that also pros- uh, prospering to the 10th power as well. Yeah. So I would like to, part of, of our growth as a company, I would like to be able to help train or foster a community in Baltimore where other people are doing better than us. They, we might've started, we might've trained them or we might've been in the ground floor on their company and they are exceeding all our expectations. So where, when we pull up, we're not the only ones. It's a community of people, like-minded people like us doing what we do. Um, and I think that's a way, cause we only could do so much and the next company over here can only do so much. And there are companies right now that are doing a lot, you know, that look like us. Um, but we could turn this this ship around if it's a hundred of us doing what we do. If there's 18,000 vacant homes in, in Baltimore city, then you're gonna need more than 10 of us. You're gonna need a hundred to a thousand of us. Um, if you think, if Anthony, if you, your, your family carved off 10 or 20 or hundred, then you put a dent in it. So I'm looking at transforming com- the community but also being honest with the community that when the community does transfer form, the price point of living in Baltimore will rise. I'm not saying it will be like DC, but it will it will rise. You know, um, you can't think about buying a thousand dollar house in a lot of cities across America, but in Baltimore you can. Um, and I see that changing. You know, that number going up. So. Yeah, definitely. Cause I, I I do believe that Baltimore could be at um at that million dollar price point. It I say definitely within a ten year time frame, because of the opportunity zones. I know we ain't talk about that today, but um, mm-hmm. if you think about it from an opportunity zone standpoint, I mean, if you buy a property, for those who don't know, uh, the the opportunity zones are set up where if you invest inside a property, inside one of those zones. You can actually keep it up until 10 years. And then after that 10th year, when you sell it, you keep all the proceeds and uh, uh, tax-free, which is amazing. So definitely within, I would say the next nine years, because a lot of people had started last year when it came through, I think it was 2018, 2019. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. So once that comes through that 10 year time frame, a lot of cities going to be changing. So it should be interesting to see. Uh, is there anything else that um, you guys want to share before we get to the last four questions of the show? Um, just um, that, you know, we are here, we're open to, you know, talk, partner, whatever, you know, um, and and the, and how we have, how we're saying we're open to, to talk and partner with people. We have approached people that we believe not even ahead of us is parallel and have talked and partnered and gained information from them. So, you know, we don't want to be the people who hoard all the information, but we do want to say, hey, this will take a lot if you want to go on this journey. And this is what this journey entails. So we want to be open and honest about what the journey entails and what you're willing to sacrifice to give up, um, but also, you know, help you and encourage you through, through that process. All righty. So let's go on and knock out these four questions. Should be short and easy. What does wealth mean to you? 
Wow. Um, see, I look at it in a, a few different ways. Um, wealth to me does not always necessarily mean um, the amount of money that I have. It means um, to me, my time, how I use it, how I spend it, um, family, how I spend my time with family. Um, that's what wealth basically means to me. If I'm able to live freely, be healthy, um, still have a good roof over my head, I'm wealthy. I second that. Good answer, Travis. <laughs> what is your favorite financial book or non-financial book? Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a good one. Um, I've read a book. Uh, it was a Susie Orman book. Uh, it was like, the, I forget the exact title. It was like Things to Know by 30. And uh, it kind of helped me, coming out of college, it kind of helped me think about my credit score and those type of things. It, it helped me in the adulting process. And then I also liked, um, I recently read um, The Power of the Black Dollar. I think her name is Angela Rich. The history, the history, history of, of the, the Black, Black Dollar. Dollar. And she's from Baltimore, right? Uh, might be DC. DC. Angela Rich, I believe her name is. She's a Hampton graduate. I read that. Um, and that book was, it was just, you know, very interesting and, um, non-fictional, um, oh, Dr. Claude Addison. So his, his books are, are financial. Um, it has a, it has a political, but it's, it's, it's more financial. And my non-fiction book, um, I don't really read non-fictional books. It's all self-improvement, not yeah, non-financial, like not right. yeah, non-financial, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't really read non-financial books. It's, it's real estate invested. I mean, I read some black books, uh, but other than that, that's that's about it. Nice. All right. So, what is what did you learn from your worst job? Mm. Not to ever do that again. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, my worst job. Wow, I learned, I think I learned almost everything that I use today. Like, um, nothing's gonna just been, be given to you. You have to work for it. Um, you really have to work for it. You have to believe in yourself to actually get it. Um, that's what I learned from my worst job. I learned that my worst job I worked the hardest for the little, the least amount of money. And, and I learned that I gotta, I have to work smarter because what, I, what I'm doing here at this job is not gonna, it's not gonna sustain me. Got it. And what is your favorite pastry? What? Pastry. Like donut? Donuts is Donuts. his favorite. <laughs> what, just uh, the glaze, the plain one? No, 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 no. So, 7 Eleven. Okay. Chocolate covered honey dip. Chocolate covered honey dip. Yes, at 7 Eleven. Yeah. All right, I might have to check that out. It might be addictive. So, <laughs> I'm a sugar cookie person. Um, pastries are not a big thing for me. I'm an ice cream lover. Okay. So. And with COVID, I had to step back because. So 7-Eleven, they're individually wrapped. I also like Krispy Kremes, but they're not. So 
when COVID happened, I was like, I'm not going to dig my head in the, <laughs> in the donut thing where everybody else is digging it. So I need an individually wrapped donut. And, uh, and, and 7-Eleven came through. I already like, but then I had to think, before COVID, I was just going in to the donut thing where everybody else was going in. And <laughs> sometimes I go to, we, we work in inner city Baltimore, and sometimes there are sketchy characters in the state level. And if they're the donut thing and I'm in the donut thing, that can't be good. But I did it not thinking about it. And I had to think like, hey man, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta think about this. Yeah, I'm, I'm guilty too. Cause I, I do like the twisted donut. So I'm right. with you. Yeah, yeah. Right. We don't know what uh, Heather talking about over there, some ice cream. But... I gotta have, <laughs> gotta have ice cream, man. Uh, I'm a sorbet type person, can't even lie. And then there's a bakery I could walk to the bakery from my house. So that's a problem. And I try not, I try not to do it. It's, it's four blocks from my house. Yeah. Um, and they're pretty amazing also, but I don't, I don't try to, I try to pace myself. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to gain an extra 15 pounds when you got to take care of the wood lumber and everything like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, could, it could be challenging. That's that COVID week. Right. <laughs> All right. We won't go into that. Well, had too much uh it's not a murder podcast today <laughs> <laughs> all right so where can people find you all on the internet you can find us at www.vanceinvest.com um you can find us on instagram at vance invest you can find us on facebook vance investments or vance invest that's to add us or hashtag um that's where we can be found. And you can find us at the Eastern Avenue Home Depot. You know, that's, I'm, I'm usually there or I'm usually at the West Side Home Depot at Lansdowne. So East or West Side, like Instagram and online social, all that's cool. But in the field, we at the Home Depot while I'm at the Home Depot. Six o'clock in the morning. Gotcha. Six o'clock in the morning. Right. Or I like to go six in the morning or right before they close with a whole truck of uh, lumber or sheetrock and they get bad every time. But I'm getting off work, I got to, I might take a nap and I got 50 boards of sheetrock to put in the house at the night for the contractor next morning, so. Hard working. Yeah. Like you said, you, you this is not something that's for the, the mild hearted or the lazy folks. Yeah, she gotta get into it. All right, so again, that is Heather and Travis from Fance Investment. I am your host, Anthony, at the About That Wallet podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, definitely like, subscribe, share all the fun stuff that uh, everybody keep repeating anyway. So y'all know what to do. Later. All right. Thank you. Well, that concludes this episode of About That Wallet. I hope this topic was helpful. If you want to get the latest episodes, please subscribe to this podcast, wherever you're listening to it. Remember, it is your duty to know about that wallet. Take care. Be safe. I'm out. Peace. Peace.